Well, good morning. My name's Kay. I'm uh, one of the ministers here and bereft that Chris is on holiday, but we pray that they'll have a wonderful time and uh, they need it. So let's pray for the Brockway family while they're away, that God will really bless them as a family and encourage them um, over the next couple of weeks. As are lots of our church as we look around, quite a lot of families away, I think. And uh, it's lovely to welcome families as well who are joining us today. Um, So welcome to you. Uh, It's a funny time, isn't it, summer? Um, People coming and going, but um, it's always good to gather. Um, Just to let you know as well, family, we welcomed um, Lawrence and Gabriel into uh, church membership this morning, so that was a real joy to to do that, and uh, delighted. If you don't know them, they are first service people, but um, hopefully you'll get to know them in some way um, over the coming months and years. Um, last summer, can you believe, it's 12 months ago, we were looking at Acts, um, Daring to Be the Church, and uh, we're continuing that series now, this summer, through the summer, looking again at some fantastic stories in, um, in Acts, so uh, looking forward to all that God has for us in the, in the, in the weeks ahead. Uh, this morning, as Jackie's given away quite a lot of what I was going to say, but anyway, we'll forgive her for that, um, <laughs> we're looking at prayer. Um, and I wonder when you think about prayer, or when somebody says prayer, what comes to... Turn my microphone like that. Is that better? It might not stay there. That's a trouble. Is that better? Okay, sorry. We're off again. <laughs> what comes to your mind when you think about the word prayer? Is it excitement? What's God going to do when I pray, when I talk to him? Or is it a bit of guilt and a bit of shame? Oh, I don't pray enough. <laughs> Or is it confusion, maybe a bit of a lack of faith in there? I'm not sure I believe God can do what I'm asking him to do. Or perhaps it might be sometimes disappointment or resignation even, and well, God's just going to do what he wants anyway. Is it fill in the blank? What comes to your mind when you think about prayer? There are so many different reactions, aren't there, when we think about prayer. Um, And I I think sadly often it it is that kind of negative, oh my goodness, I'm just going to feel guilty if you start talking about prayer. Well, the story we um, are going to read this morning um, is going to teach us about prayer, prayer in the toughest times. So um, do turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 12 um, on your phone, maybe, or in your Bible, and we'll read the first uh, few verses to find out the story here in Acts, Acts chapter 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. 
They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one of the streets, suddenly the angel left him. Well, this is a new fledgling church and it's growing fast, seeing many people coming uh, to be followers of Jesus. But with this growth, we discover comes persecution. Just as Jesus promised to his disciples uh, back in John 15, here we read of the death of James, uh, the brother of John, put to death by the sword by a power-hungry leader called King Herod. And just a few chapters before, I'm sure you remember, um, the stoning of Stephen has taken place. And now here they are facing Peter in prison, inevitably facing death the next morning. And from all that excitement, all that God was doing growing the church, suddenly it seems that all is falling apart. And that's why that verse, in, that, that verse 5 is so key. It says, Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God. Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God. I wonder when things fall apart, when the tough times come, do you keep praying? I think we're often much more inclined to worry (laughs) or to complain maybe or to be cynical. But the disciples here keep praying. And then I wonder if, if they had questions. We're not told. I wonder if they asked God why. Why did God save Peter and not James or Stephen? Why did he not respond to the heartfelt prayers that they must have had for Stephen and for for James? We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there with the why question. Why does God heal someone of cancer, but another has months of treatment and they don't get better? Why does it seem that someone prays for their loved ones to come to faith, and they do, but then others anxiously pray year after year and they don't see any answers? Why? Why? You're probably going to be really disappointed because I'm not going to even try to answer those questions. <laughs> because like you, in the end, I don't, I don't have any answers. I have to hold my hands up and say, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand why. But God does. So today, we're going to consider some of the things from this story that I hope will help us to see that Even when things get tough, even when things fall apart, God is sovereign, so don't give up. God is at work, so don't just sit there. And God is listening, so keep knocking. That's our three points for this morning. So first one, God is sovereign, so don't give up. We're not told this, but perhaps James's death has spurred the Christians to keep praying. Maybe it's that. Um, James's death has, has made them want to pray all the more for Peter, but we don't know that. What they show us, though, is that they hold on to the sovereignty of God, even in that really difficult place, even in the most diff- difficult of circumstances, they're holding on to the sovereignty of God. And what that does, it seems to give them a different perspective. And we're not told what they're praying for. 
We, we have no idea what their actual prayers were, but we are told that they pray, that they pray earnestly and fervently and diligently and intentionally. And the word means they kind of reach out. They're reaching out, pleading with God as they pray. Even though James has been killed, even though um, Herod, the King Herod is about to kill their leader, Peter, they still pray. They're still praying. The church here is holding on to the sovereignty of God. They're choosing not to worry, not to complain, not to become cynical. They're not blaming God or walking away when this storm comes. They're praying. Both Peter and the disciples demonstrate this incredible trust that God's plans and purposes are best and that he will work those purposes out. And amazingly, Peter seems to be able to have such peace that he's even able to sleep in the face of death. Rather than driving him away, rather than doubts and confusion as he is there in the prison, Peter has this incredible peace in this storm. And this peace is long before any angel turns up to reassure him. I wonder if you identify with Peter in the prison this morning. I wonder if you're in some sort of prison this morning. I wonder if you're weighed down by pressures and difficulties. I wonder if they're pressing in on you. I wonder if they're making you feel trapped this morning. I wonder if there are circumstances in your life that you're just, they're not getting resolved. That the pain you're in just doesn't seem to be easing. That demands you're facing are just so overwhelming. It's often in those times that our peace can be stolen, isn't it? It's often in those times that our doubts start to creep in and the enemy wants to trip us up. But, you know, by holding on to God, by holding on to who we know he is, his love, his goodness, his faithfulness, his holiness, his justice, his mercy, his grace, the fact that God doesn't change, by trusting that God is for us, enables Peter... And I believe it can enable us to know that peace. To know that peace and to hold on even when those questions don't get answered. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things God works. And this takes us neatly to our second point because God is at work for our good in his sovereign purposes and plans. God's at work, so don't just sit there. Let's look at Peter, then we'll look at the disciples. So God sends an angel to Peter in prison. And did you notice he's in such a deep sleep that the angel has to strike him? (laughs) He actually has to strike him with his sword to wake him up. That's a deep sleep. I don't think I ever sleep like that. I just uh, wonder... When we go through difficult times, when we're in a difficult place, sometimes we're very quick to blame the enemy, aren't we? But I just wonder from this little bit, from this little sentence, whether sometimes God's trying to get our attention. He's trying to shout at us um, because he wants us to listen to him. But just interesting in what God doesn't do next in the story. He doesn't arrive and enter into a discussion with, um, with Peter. The angel doesn't start chatting with Peter about all his theological questions and conundrums that he's facing. Um, he doesn't explain to Peter why he's there or what he's doing. He doesn't talk about the whys and the hows and the whens and the whats. 
Instead, I don't know if you noticed, but he gives Peter something to do. He tells him to get up. And when he tells Peter to get up, you can, you, you'd forgive Peter for asking how, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd, you'd forgive him because how do I get up when I'm chained to these guys with these heavy chains that are padlocked up? But Peter doesn't, doesn't ask any questions. He, he just gets up. He just immediately obeys and gets up. We can find ourselves, can't we, waiting for God to act when we're in a tough place. When we're in that prison that maybe you've started to think about. When those chains that are, are kind of holding you are heavy. When you're in that difficult place, we're kind of waiting for God to do something. But what we discover in this story is that God's waiting for Peter to act. God's waiting for Peter to act. Get up. <laughs> I don't know if it's true for you, but it's often as we respond to God that our chains start to drop off. As we respond to him. I wonder how often, as you think back, that's been true for you, maybe. That as you've moved towards God in the problem that you're facing, that it's begun to lift. That things have begun to lighten. So freedom is found as we walk obediently in the call of God. As we walk obediently regardless of what we know and regardless of what we understand. And it's beautiful because as Peter gets up and as he moves, the chains drop off. The trains fall away. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. It's not easy. But this is putting our faith in the sovereign God that we talked about. And if he asks us to do something, trusting that he'll make a way as we obey him. As we obey him, he'll, he'll release those things that we're struggling with. Then uh, the angel tells Peter to do something else. He tells Peter to get dressed. But again, Peter doesn't ask any, ask any questions. I think I'd have possibly asked, why? Why do you want me to get de- dressed? Do you want me to look smart for my execution? He just does what God asks him, doesn't he? In the absence of any answers. And it's hard to say this, but I think we know it to be true. We may never know the answer to our why, to that why that you're facing this morning. We might never get an answer. But we are called to hold on, to hold on to the promises of God. That's what Peter's doing here. And then the angel says one more thing, follow me. Tells Peter to follow And he leads him out of the prison. His chains on the floor. And again, do you know, Peter doesn't go, where? Where are we going? He doesn't ask questions. He just obediently follows the angel. Because he knows, he knows deep in his heart that he can trust the sovereign God. The God who says, I am with you. And so often, when we're in a difficult place, we're not told the whole journey, are we? I don't know if it's true for you, but often... We just have to take the next step that's in front of us. Trouble is, I think, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I want to know the whole story. I want to know where I'm going and the destination. I want to know all the details in between, how I'm going to get there. But simply, God often says, doesn't he, follow me, follow me. One step in front of the other. And again, I don't want to take away from how hard that is. When we're facing 
difficult times or we're in the middle of grief, uncertainty, pain, whether that pain might be emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, choosing to say, I will follow, is really tough. It's tough. It's not easy. I often think of the words of Psalm 23. I think they're helpful. I think they're beautiful words that David says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. We had a beautiful testimony to that on Thursday at Margaret Cunningham's funeral, knowing that God was with her, even in death. Do you know that God is with you, whatever it is that you are going through? Peter did. Peter knew beyond doubt that God was with him. And so he followed until he comes to the door. And I just think this is, I just love this story. Isn't it wonderful? God is in the business of opening doors, however tightly bolted they might be, however big they might be, however tightly shut. God is in the business of opening a door. Maybe you need to hear that this morning when you can't see a way. You can't see a way through. It's a bit like those um, shop doors, you know, that open automatically as you walk to them, open in front of you. This is long before automatic doors. And out Peter goes. Out Peter goes into freedom. Out, I believe, into a deeper and a stronger understanding of the love and the grace of God. God doesn't just simply break our chains. He opens the door to freedom. I wonder if this speaks hope for you this morning. I wonder if this speaks hope into your situation. Well, parallel to this all going on for Peter, um, we discover that God's people are praying. So that leads us on to our next point. God is listening, so keep knocking. God is listening, so keep knocking. Um, I'm going to stick with Peter um, for a moment longer because Peter comes to realize that he, he's not dreaming um, have you ever been like that when you think, oh gosh, this is a dream? And then you suddenly realize, no, this is reality. We've all been there, haven't we, in that moment? And he declares that without a doubt, that God is God who's rescued him, God who's uh, re- rescued him from this um, situation. And he goes straight to the house of his friends, who he knows are there praying for him. And he knocks on the door. So I want to read the next bit of the story. This is a great bit from, from um, verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. People knocked at the, Peter, sorry, Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. <laughs> You're out of your mind, they told her. And when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Couldn't quite believe it. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. I don't think it's unintentional that Luke likes to bring some humor into this uh, story. You can just imagine Peter, can't you, looking over his shoulder as he's banging on the door, thinking, hurry up, the guards will be on their way at some point because they'll realize I'm gone. 
um, they're chasing behind him, and he, he's left at the door because Rhoda, this servant girl, is so, she's just so overcome with excitement that um, she forgets to unlock the door. Um, and then, of course, you've got the disciples who are so earnestly praying for him. They can't possibly believe that he could be stood outside the door. It's great. You not find it great? I think it's great. <laughs> I think they'd have found it much easier to believe that he died and uh, that it, that was his angel out there. That's what it would seem. It does make you smile. It makes me smile. But I think we often smile and laugh at things that we can identify with, don't we, when we think, oh, yeah, actually, that just hits a bit of a nerve with me. Um, the truth is we can identify with these disciples, can't we? And particularly with Rhoda as well. I do, even if you don't. I identify with them. I also uh, don't think it's unintentional that Luke describes the persistence of Peter knocking at the door and Rhoda, who's insisting, insisting that he's out there. Because I think Luke, maybe he wants us to think about this insistence, this knocking that Jesus talks about in prayer when you go back to Jesus' teaching. It's the sort of prayer that God loves, you know. God loves that insistent, determined ongoing praying prayer that doesn't give up Jesus told us didn't I didn't he? if you think back to Jesus's parables he told us about the persistent widow who kept going to the judge to hear her plea and he and she just kept on going she just kept on going until eventually the judge would listen to her and then of course the friend at midnight who keeps knocking on the door until his friend reluctantly gets up to answer the door, just keeps on going until his friend responds. Do you feel like giving up? Do you feel like giving up? Do you feel that God has brought you this far and now he's abandoned you? Do you feel that he's not listening to you at the moment? Well, I think Luke wants us from this story to to say, keep going, keep praying, keep knocking, keep asking. That's God's invitation to you this morning. Don't give up. Don't give up. God knows and God cares. Because you know prayer, when we pray, when we talk to God, when we plead with God, we are admitting our dependency on him. We're admitting that we can't do life without him. And when we keep praying, we're making a statement to the enemy as well that we trust in God and we trust in his sovereignty. That despite all the evidence around us at the moment, we know that God is working for our good. And we know that he will make a way. That's what prayer says to God and to those looking on. And you know, God delights in our knocking on the door. Especially, I think, when the things get tough. When the mountain is too high to climb. God loves it when we, when we turn to him. And so Jesus would say to us this morning, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. But I also love in this story, and I think this is really important for us, that the disciples are gathered together praying. They're gathered together. They're a community. They've come together as a community to pray. We're not called, and I think this is such good news, we're not called to do this Christian journey on our own. And I think this is a word for us, brothers and sisters, today, that God would say to us, let's make a habit of praying together. Let's seek and ask and knock. Let's keep asking and seeking and knocking together. I think God would say, where do we as a church want to see breakthrough? Where as a church do we want to see breakthrough? Is it in mission? 
Is it in discipleship? Is it in our build project? Let's get in the habit of praying together. In our prayer gatherings, in our home groups. Maybe when you just meet up for coffee, pray. Let's get in the habit of praying together. Because you know, if you go back through all the stories we looked at last summer, and I imagine, I haven't looked at them all yet, but as we look at the stories this summer in Acts, every time the church prays, things happen. Things happen when we pray. And this is no exception in this story, because if you go to the end of the story and look at verse 24, the word of God continued to spread and to flourish. You know, the gates of hell will not prevail against a praying church. That's good news. That is good news. And there's something else that I want to encourage you with from this story, and that's Luke's honesty, because I think it's lovely that he's so honest about those praying Christians. As I said before, helpfully or unhelpfully, we're not given a peek into what they pray. We don't know what the words were that they were praying out to God. We're not told. But I just wonder if they were praying safe prayers. Do you know what I mean? God, will you be with Peter? God, will you give him your peace? That kind of thing. Safe prayers. Not, God, will you release him from prison? (laughs) Will you do the miraculous? Will you do the impossible? I wonder if they were praying safe prayers. We can judge them for that, can't we? But I feel, don't be too hasty, Kay, because I'm quite good at praying safe prayers. When I reflect on my own prayer life, often my prayers are small. Often my prayers are safe. I've been reminded again, as I've been thinking about this, about um, some words of Jesus where he says that faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. We sang about it, didn't we? And I think this story and these disciples, Luke wants to remind us, God wants to remind us, it's not about how big our faith is. So when we come to God and we knock and we ask and we seek, but we feel like, I haven't got any faith, I've got very tiny faith for this. It's not about how big our faith is. It's about how big our God is in whom we put our faith. And that's what we need to grasp about prayer today. And I think, you know, Peter was asleep. He had this incredible peace. And I believe that that was one of their prayers. One of their prayers was that Peter would know peace in that prison cell. And he did. But I think God was smiling. I think God was smiling and going, yeah, I'll answer your prayer. I'll give Peter peace. But I'm going to do so much more than that. Because that's our God, isn't it? There was Peter standing outside the door while they're inside praying. It's beautiful. So much more than we could ever imagine. I wonder if that reminds you of a verse in the New Testament. Paul says, doesn't he? And I'm going to close with this. And I think this is a verse perhaps for some of us this morning. I wonder if you need to hear this verse this morning. To feel those chains drop to the floor. To feel that door open that's firmly shut for you at the moment. I think it's a verse for us as a church family as we journey on the road to a new church building across the road. Now to him, to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory. In the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. This chapter, at the beginning of the chapter, Herod, King Herod, was reigning. 
and Peter was going to die. At the end of this chapter, Herod is dead and Peter is free. The word of the, God, uh, the, word of the Lord continued to spread and to flourish. God is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. So this morning, what are your chains? What's the pressure that you're under? What's the prison that you feel you are in? He's able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence we receive mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, because of the death of Jesus that we've been singing about, because of his amazing resurrection from the dead that we've been singing about this morning, you and I have been set free. We have freedom. We have freedom to openly go into God's presence, invited, as I've just read that verse, to approach his throne of grace. Brothers and sisters, why would we not go there? Why would we not go there and speak to him? Why would we not earnestly pray for that breakthrough that we so long for? A breakthrough from those things that we're struggling with, that fear, that prison, that bolted door. Because God's promise is that he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Because he's sovereign. So God says... God, so, as we've said, God is sovereign, so let's not give up. God is at work, even though it might not feel like it, even though we don't understand. So don't just sit there. Listen to God and move towards him. And God is listening to you today. So keep knocking, keep knocking. And I was really encouraged at the end of the first service, somebody said to me that God asked Peter to do what he could do. There were things that Peter had to do, but God did what Peter couldn't do. And God didn't expect Peter to do what he couldn't do. He asked him to do what he could do, and asked, we asked God to do what we can't do. I just invite us to be still for a moment, to be quiet, to allow God to speak to you. Do you need to write, remind yourself again that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and you can trust him? So don't give up. Don't give up. Do you need to remind yourself that God is at work, even though you don't understand, even though you can't see it at the moment, God is at work? How does he want you to respond? Move towards him. And God is listening. God is listening as you keep knocking, as you keep asking, as you keep praying, as you persistently call out to him. Keep on knocking because God is listening.